My name is Samantha Lewis, and I'm excited to introduce our podcast today. Leading today's podcast is Jay Heiser, author of the number one operations management title on the market. He'll be introducing our guest today, who'll be speaking about project management. Thank you, Samantha. Today, we have Dan Blubakis with us to discuss his recent change from being a full-time professor of operations management to, now get ready for this, executive director of the Divergent Technology Alliance Center, the Kit Bond Incubator, and associate dean and professor of the College of Business and Professional Studies, as well as acting interim chair of the Engineering Technology Department at Missouri Western. Right. Dan, I think that says you're, you're being very, very busy with new innovative, getting new innovative campus built. And exactly what is this job? Well, I appreciate you uh, having me on the podcast today, Jay and Samantha. And my primary role here is as the executive director of this Convergent Technology Alliance Center, or SeaTac, not to be confused with the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport. Uh, we're building a new government industry academic partnership site that's going to allow for uh, contemporary workforce development needs in the state of Missouri, as well as our neighboring states like Kansas. So we've got a building site already established. We've broken ground on that building back in July. The Lieutenant Governor was here and we're rolling along using a lot of the project management techniques um, described in the, the operations management uh, books and writings that you've had over the years. Well, wonderful, Dan. I think that says you're a pretty busy guy. All right. Thank you for finding time for us today. We're excited to have you with us to discuss just what goes on in the practical side of project management. Why we devote an entire chapter in our text to project management techniques, our focus is on those techniques. And that's maybe a good place to begin. Can you give us some of the details of the techniques that you're using to get this construction job underhand? Yeah, so of course, like so many aspects of project management, uh, you know, you got your kind of primary areas of staying on schedule, staying on budget, and meeting the technical specifications for the job site, and in our case, the building that we're going to be filling out with our construction, manufacturing, industrial technology, and cybersecurity programs that are going to be housed in this building. Uh, so we're using Gantt charts for schedule, making sure that we're up to date with our contractors. In fact, I've got a meeting coming up later this afternoon with our primary lead general contractor. We have about uh, different groups working on site right now. Um, and so we're looking from a scheduling standpoint at using things like uh, Gantt charts, as well as just overall project management update meetings. From a budgeting perspective, staying on budget with our uh, federal, national, state, uh, county, local, private dollars that are help funding the project. Um, and then looking at risk. So we've had quite a few um, expected and unexpected planned and unplanned uh, issues arise. Uh, so, you know, kind of putting out fires as they arise, but looking at some of those risk management techniques for the project as well has been important in a day-to-day -day operations perspective. All right, Dan, how many uh, activities are on the job and what software are you using? Yeah, so right now we have about 17 different contractors on the site and about 40 individuals working just behind me. I know we can't see that on the podcast uh, from the audio perspective, but um, I'm currently standing in our Kit Bond Incubator building which was built back in around 2008 as an animal life science uh, pharmaceutical corridor. And across the street, the new building with all these different contractors and folks on site, um, they're uh, working day by day right now. We've got grading and dirt work completed, foundation and support steel are going up. Uh, so we're, we're still on schedule with the project at the moment. Project management software, we're using Microsoft Project, Microsoft Excel, 
as well as kind of the Google counterparts to those. Um, so we're Missouri Western, we're a Google shop. Of course, a lot of our industry partners, contractors are Microsoft shops. So we tend to use Excel project sheets um, and some of the other uh, Google-based project management tools as well. All right, wonderful, Dan. I know. With the, one of the shortcomings of our textbook is we failed to talk about all the things that can go wrong in a project. And I bet you've had some of those experiences already. Have you got a few minutes to tell us about the unexpected and the kind of traumas that you get to go through when you're a project manager? Yeah, so luckily, knock on wood here, we haven't had a lot of uh, major issues that haven't been able to be fires that were extinguished rather uh, quickly. Um, I will say the first week of the project, we did hit a utility line. Um, and as you do the root cause analysis of why that may have happened, um, you know, I think when you go back to who were the contractors involved, was it marked uh, appropriately in terms of dig rights, and then how do you handle some of those unexpected things? So let me explain this one a little bit more. Um, after the line was hit, I immediately got a call on my cell phone. And of course, uh, gas and utilities were contained quickly for safety. However, because of the nature of the lines that were hit, we in the incubator building that I'm standing in right now, we had to initially evacuate it. And then people had to move to their vehicles because of a looming uh, weather event, a, a thunderstorm with possible tornadic activity. So we had to move them to their cars, out of the building, into their cars, and then to a physical plant location. So there was a lot of logistical coordination of people from a safety standpoint from just one incident um, that caused the evacuation of a different building and moving people around and dealing with the weather elements. Um, so that was one thing that came up. And then, of course, you have other unexpected things um, that uh, and maybe some that you can anticipate. We had some additional uh, requirements for uh, boring a fiber optic line under an interstate, which involves some Department of Transportation and state logistics. We had some changes to the specifications of a storage building and how it was laid out and uh, associated with the main uh, Convergent Technology Alliance that are building itself. So those are just a few of the kind of uh, events that have come up in the first several months here that we've had to work around. And as much as you study this or work on it in a textbook and do your critical path method, your PERT for risk management, things are going to happen. And then it's a matter of responding quickly and diligently uh, to them as well from a risk management perspective. We had historic rainfalls over the summer um, I, and, and just north of here, they're in droughts. So back to these weather events and climate change and whatever else, you have situations like that where you could look at the history of how much it should rain in the month of, we're in October now, but how much it should rain in St. Joseph, Missouri in October. And we literally had a hundred year rain event back in probably June and July. So that throws things out of whack when you look at all your historical planning and suddenly you're dealt with something you've never seen in, in the, the life cycle of the contractors that are working on the project. And Dan, what has this done to your overall project completion date? And what has it done to the budget impact? And who gets to, who gets to pick up the extra dollars? <laughs> well, luckily, um, since I've only been in, uh, involved in the project for a handful of months here, my predecessors, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kennedy, our president, Mark Archambault, our uh, vice president for our foundation and the fundraising side of the organization, as well as some others. Uh, Mike Mastio is a gentleman who is a consulting uh, representative for us. These guys had laid the groundwork for the project from a schedule and budget perspective, and it built in some buffer as well. Um, our general contractor, Lear Construction, they have worked diligently to find ways to expedite things. Um, so there, for example, one of the things that came up was we're actually building part of the building from the inside out rather than the outside in. Typically, you would erect structural steel in the, the skeleton or frame of the building first. 
we're building some of the internal part of the building first so we can start to bring things in sooner. And as it gets into winter, then we're able to finish off the inside of the building faster from the inside out. So that was one of those adjustments that was made to uh, to try to keep the project on schedule despite those historic rainfalls I referred to. So it's a team-based approach to trying to find ways to stay on schedule. We are still on schedule to open fall of 2024. So we're you know up against that year mark. Now we get into some of those uh, critical path elements like lead times for equipment and things of that nature that are some of our pressing uh, urgent matters at the moment uh, as we roll through the next phase. And from a budget perspective, um, we've been fortunate that we've had some of those grant federal, state, county dollars, as well as private dollars to support the project. So we have some uh, some support in terms of the building itself, as well as the infrastructure, the equipment coming down the pipeline. So we're still looking pretty good on budget and schedule, but you do have to build in some allowances for when uh, things go uh, as not planned, I suppose. All right. How, how much of a budget allowances do you have? Are you talking about five or 10% budget? And how about on the scheduling? What kind of buffer have you given yourself there? So from a budgetary perspective, the building itself is roughly an eight to $9 million building. And then the rest of the capital expenses would about double that amount. And so you look at where are ways that we can possibly leverage some of our existing equipment if we need to save a few dollars here or there? Um, you know, some of our high component cost things like some of the more specialized CNC and robotic machinery. So where are some areas that we might be able to strip out some of the, the different elements of maybe the specification for one of those pieces of equipment? Um, the CNC is a good example. Um, you know, you, you have a price range for similar pieces of equipment that might range from $100,000 to $600,000 for a similar piece of equipment. So when you have a half a million dollar differential on the piece of equipment itself, then working with the OEM manufacturers to figure out if I have to take $100,000 out of this piece of equipment, how am I going to do it? So we've got some ability to do those types of things. From the schedule uh, dynamic perspective, what we're doing is we're looking at, okay, we've got our typical academic semesters, right? Fall, spring, 16 weeks. So if we roll from right now, our existing operations are in a building called Wilson Hall. So Wilson Hall, we're actually renovating for some other purposes for other, uh, other programs on campus. So we're losing some of that space and shifting some of that, but I've got to teach classes out in the fall of 2023 here. As we roll into spring of 2024, what are some creative ways that we can save space and stay on schedule and roll into when this building opens a year from now? So we're looking at partnering with one of our local technology centers to alleviate some of that space and pressure in the short run. And then in the longer run next year, the plan of the 16-week semester, can I start August, the end of August, like a typical semester, maybe at a state public institution, or will I have to just run an eight-week class where I have to start in October. So let's say that things go really, really wrong and we lose a couple months. Then we have a plan, a contingency plan to shift back from a 16-week class to an eight-week class just in case. And so that's one example of how you can shift the schedule if you need to due to uh, unexpected or unforeseen circumstances. Dan, that is a wonderful review of what's really going on, complete with budget and the risk management. And I thank you for a very insightful discussion today about the life of a real project manager. And I'm honored to be on the podcast today. So thank you very much.